0: In today's show, we look at the fantasy basketball waiver wire. Who's being added? Who's being dropped? Are they the right moves? What moves should you make? Let's have a look, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore beeble, on TikTok at redrock underscore beeble and on Instagram at Locked Basketball. T- today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockedon today to get started. Thank you for making Lockdown Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Let's look at the Fantasy Basketball waiver wire. Let's look at what moves are going on. Let's look at what makes sense. Let's look at what doesn't. Warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's start off with a couple of Josh's. The most added player off the waiver wire today, or over the last 24 hours, is in fact Josh Richardson. And there is a massive, massive amount of chasing. He was great last game. Absolutely no debate about that whatsoever. But he had five steals, he had blocks, he played 30-plus minutes. He was great. Is he going to have a role in this team? Yeah, he is. Somehow he is because the guy that was traded for him played zero minutes. So there is a role there for him, but we also have to be cautious of understanding that 35 CJ McCullough minutes weren't there in that last game, and Herb Jones played 23 minutes. Now, is there an argument for a team that's in the fighting in the playoffs that Josh Richardson's a better player than Herb Jones? You could easily make that argument, yeah. I don't think the Pelicans are going to do that and, not, and they're definitely not going to do it playing him over CJ McCollum. So the 30-minute role that he had felt like a little bit of perfect storm stuff. I don't have any problem with adding Josh Richardson because CJ might not even play. But I think to have him as the number one guy is, I think we're going to see in like a week's time that the number one dropped player is going to be Josh Richardson. Because it just, there's just no way for me to see him maintaining that role. And the same thing basically goes for the second guy, Josh Okogi who's been really strong these last three games. But I do worry about not only role for him, because when Durant arrives, but also Durant, Payne, and Shamit, and if TJ Warren plays more than seven minutes, will a Kogi start? I think there's a decent chance that he starts over Tory Craig. But I also don't think it matters. If Durant and Paul and Booker and Aiton are out there, it does not matter who starts. That person is never going to see the ball. And Akogi has shot the ball really well over the last couple of games, and it is skewing stuff. Hey, everyone's out. He's shooting well. The minutes are high. The numbers look awesome. And it, again, this is all about what we do in terms of short-term stuff. It's totally fine. We add Kogi, we, we try. We stream it through. But when we're trying to look long-term, when we're trying to see what happens. Say, what happens in two weeks' time? I think there's no chance we're talking about Josh Akogi as a uh, viable 12 or even 14-team league player. Matisse Stiebel a very interesting guy. He's on the thumbnail of this video. Because the first game, everyone went crazy. They frothed him. They went. They uh. They gave him the old McConnell. They really, really got in on that, and they were so excited. Look, he's been unleashed by Philadelphia. Look at all these numbers. Um. And then he had two points, and that's what T- uh, that's what not TJ McConnell. That that's what Matisse Steibel is. Now with Anthony Simons getting injured, I don't know how long he's going to be out. That does open up still more minutes for Thybul, who would have been battling Reddish and Little and maybe Winslow and Sharp for minutes. But we're still treating Thybul basically exactly the way we were before he was traded to Portland. Sorry, that's not true. Before he played his first game for Portland, because we thought, yeah hey, he's going to get some extra minutes. He is a steals stream specialist who provides out of position blocks at a decent enough rate, but he's not winning you blocks on his own. But you have to understand that every time you play him, you will get absolutely dinged in the points category and even if you're playing head to head or roto it's really worth noting this you can say i'll play him in roto right and i'll get my steals up that's true but every time you play him he uses one of your games cap and your ability to get 16 17 points out of that point slot moves down from 15 16 17 to 4. so you need to make that up somewhere else That is the conundrum with him. It's why rankings fail to recognize what he does because you'll see him ranked 100th or 110th. You go, that's good. And look at those steals. They're awesome. But everything else, someone else has to pick up that slack to get there. And I don't see him becoming this awesome shooter or this awesome offensive player or this massive rebounder or this big passer. He is exactly the same player that he was in Philadelphia. He will just play more minutes. And that absolutely has a lot of value for lots of different teams. And for others, it means nothing. So just beware. Does it mean anything for your team. And in a points league, I don't really see it. I don't see why you would bother with him in a points league. So just be really cautious. We all loved that first game and everyone talked about it. And he was the buzz of the fantasy basketball, community, uh, industry, whatever. His name was mentioned everywhere. And then the second game, I heard nothing. You hear no peeps at all. And that's one of the other things. Uh, side note, sidebar, right? can I approach the bench? Part of the thing why I do this show, I love doing it. It's fun. Um, I love talking about it. But I also feel like there are certain lessons that we can all learn and accumulate information on. And some of the stuff that I try to to talk about um, is that being careful of how you consume your media. Because everyone heard about the big games that Matisse Leibold was putting up. Everyone heard about that big game. Everyone heard about the massive games Cam Thomas was putting up. No one makes a post saying, hmm, Cam Thomas had seven points last game. No one puts up post saying, hmm, Thyball did nothing. He had four steals, but absolutely massive negatives in every other category. No one talks about that. So if you're just casually perusing information, you go, I thought, I thought it was great. Look what he did against the Lakers dominated. He had four threes, mate. He's been unlocked. He can now shoot. He's free of Doc Rivers. And the bad game, or, you know, the, the bad game, steals is always going to be there. That is never changing with Thibault, never. And this is not just about him, it's just about in general. But. Watch the stuff that gets highlighted versus the stuff that doesn't get highlighted. Sadiq Bey, did you know he scored 51 points in a game once? Yeah, I'm sure you've heard that. I'm sure you haven't heard that he was like a 32% shooter for two and a half years from three because that doesn't fit into anything exciting. And I don't blame media or social media or people for highlighting that, but we have to take everything in when we're looking at fantasy, not just the pick and choose the big games. Much like the Josh Richardson situation, he was unbelievable for the Pelicans. But is there any realistic way that he continues to play 34 minutes and not on this team? Almost no way. But that doesn't get highlighted. And that's what I want you to do is always dig deeper. Dig deeper behind stuff. Um, look at every single piece of information rather than the one that gets blown up where you can feel excited. And that, that's a natural thing to do is get excited about something. But just be really cautious about where that leads you in terms of decision-making. Yeah hope that makes sense. Shaden Sharp, one of the most added players. He has been one of the worst fantasy players per minute all season, except recently. He has really improved. Now, mainly that is coming from shooting like 63% from the field and getting 26 minutes a night, but with Hart gone, with Simons injured, he might have a sizable role. I don't know that I put much faith in his ability to be a rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, or to even shoot well from three, which he hasn't done at all, all season. He's okay to grab. They don't play again until after the break. I'm not really convinced that Shaden Sharp's a must-roster 12-team league guy. And definitely not a must-add guy. I think he's sort of fringy. And I'm not convinced. Max Strews, one of the most added players. That's really strong for the short-term. Lowry out. Hero out. Oladipo out. Fine. Love that. uh, Short-term. Long-term, no way. Devontae Graham. Also an excellent short-term stream. Trey Jones is out. Graham's minutes will push up. I don't see Graham being a 30-minute-a-night guy rest of season, which is what he would need to be a 12-team league player. But we're talking short-term, no worries. Kelly Linick and Gordon Hayward, two of the most added players on Yahoo. What? I, I'm i for it, especially Kelly Linick. I don't know why we took this long to get back on to adding Kelly Linick. Gordon Hayward, yes, he had been mediocre for most of the season, and he has stepped it up of late. So I do like adding him. It's just weird to me that he, they were available in so many leagues where they could actually be added in enough spots... To appear on this most added list. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NBA season, the midpoint is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanJul, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Do you think that we, like, we always refer to the all-star break as the midpoint of the season, when obviously it's not. It's like 65, it's actually 71% through the season. But maybe I just realized, we call it the midpoint because it's the midpoint between the start of the Season and the end of the playoffs? Playoffs? Maybe. Huh. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to the points scores, points scorers, to threes drained. So, NBA championship odds. What are NBA finalists odds? You can bet on who you think he's going to meet in the finals. Boston and Phoenix is the favorite at plus 600. You can do Milwaukee and Phoenix at plus 850. You can do Boston and Dallas at plus 1600. That seems relatively unlikely. Boston and the Clippers plus 1100. Everyone seems to be Boston. so either Boston or Milwaukee on the East here or on the West, they're doing Phoenix, Denver, the Clippers and the Mavericks. But you can check all of that out over at FanDuel. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure and super easy to use. And it even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanguil.com slash locked on. That's fanguil.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with Fanguil, official sportsbook betting partner of the NBA. And don't forget to gamble responsibly. Let's look at the most dropped players. Do we agree or not with these names? The number one most dropped player is Denny Avdia. Totally agree with that. This, again, when, when you're consuming my content or anyone's content, understand people's um, inherent biases or baselines where they're coming from. My, comment, my thing with Denny always was, when they're healthy, he won't be useful. Um, he needs one to two players being out for him to be a 12-team league player. Everyone got healthy last game. Denny barely played. To me, that is a clear drop. It's a very clear drop. I was waiting for it. It happened. Again, see you later. That doesn't preclude him having some big games. It doesn't preclude him being an ad later on when uh, Porzingis is out or Kuzma is out or Gafford is out or Beale is out, but it's not worth holding. Royce O'Neal, one of the most dropped players. Why, why did that take so long? See you later. Bye. Cam Thomas, one of the most dropped players. I'll say this about Cam. Um, I think that we will see more from Cam than we saw the last two games because their offense is just really bogged down. But you know my criticisms of him. It's his lack of team play. It's his horrible defense. It's his absolute like just ISO ball dominating style, which does impact a lot of other guys. And that's what limits what he does overall. I don't mind dropping him. I don't mind if you want to hold waiting to see if he goes from 20 minutes back to 25. I'm not actually convinced that 25 minutes is enough. And it's almost the reverse Thibault. In 25 minutes, he might score 16 points, right? And that you might say, that's really good. Oh, that's useful me. For What if he gets 16-1-1 and one with no steals, no blocks, and shoots 37%? Then every other category that you've got there, you've got to make up somewhere else. And that becomes equally as tough as dealing with Thibault scoring two points but getting you four steals and two blocks. So, I would think that for Cam to be a must-roster player, he'd probably need 28 a night. And I don't really think that's going to happen. But, I think he is going to push up a little bit in terms of usage. He is going to be up and down with shooting numbers. I've got no problem with dropping him. But again, where was my baseline on Cam? You know that. But I also think that there is a chance, and I feel pretty confident, that he's going to be better than what he was last game. Flaming Mo Wagner. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm really... I I couldn't believe that I saw him as one of the most dropped players. Why was he rostered in that many leagues to be dropped? This, this is bizarre to me. Yes, he doesn't need to be held in 12 team leagues. Maybe the people added him for the low-volume day yesterday. That was weird. This is also weird. Most dropped player, Matisse Thiebel. When you go to Yahoo, he is one of the most dropped players across their entire site, second behind Abdia. So what did people think? And this goes back to my whole spiel on Thiebel earlier on. People just had no idea what they were doing with him. They thought, oh, man, look at this. Unlocked, scoring, threes, everything. If you added Theibel, you should actually be happy with what he did in yesterday's game. He had four steals. That is why you should have added him. But again, it just goes to show that people added him. And I'm sure if you go into the Yahoo! player chat section and read what the comments are on Theibel, I haven't done it because I value my sanity, but I'm sure if you go in and read them in there, they'll be like, what is this bum doing? Can't even score a point. Man, why did I add you? When realistically, you added him for steals, he got four of them. What else do you want? It's a complete misrepresentation or a complete um, misunderstanding of where the value lies in Thibault. And now he's been dropped. Don't get it. Dan Gafford, one of the most dropped players, absolutely would not do that. That is a ludicrous move to me. I don't know why you would do it. He had 5,014 minutes yesterday. And that is not related to Kyle Kuzma returning. Yes, Kuzma returning probably takes a little bit off the top in terms of minutes. Instead of being a 29-minute guy, maybe he's 27. But we have got a decent enough history that when they're healthy, he gets 25 to 28 minutes. We've seen it quite a few times. That is a crazy move to drop him. Dropping the cockroach Mason Plumley, I would have done it as immediately when the trade hit. So see you later. And then Bones Highland, one of the most dropped players. He shouldn't have been added. As we talked about many times, that was the worst, one of the worst situations he could have have gone to in the trade deadline. He definitely improved his value at the trade deadline because he went from zero minutes to playing 13 minutes. It was an improvement there, but he's not going to run in and get 27 minutes on this Clippers team or be a number one offensive option or be the same usage guy he was on Denver's bench. It just was never likely to happen. So yeah, again, people misplaced expectations there, I think, on Bones Highland. This is a long show. Droppable players. These are guys who are rostered in a decent chunk of leagues who I just don't think are worth holding when we're we're looking long-term. We'll start in Atlanta with a couple of guys. Bogdan Bogdanovich and Sadiq Bey. I've put them both together because I think they impact each other. Because they're both going to be coming off the bench, assuming John Collins is healthy. And they both need the ball in their hands. They need to get shots. And that's going to impact them. Bogdanovich was already on the fringes of 12-team leagues. Sadiq Bey was on the fringes of 12-team leagues. Now they interact with each other and it's going to push them both out of 12-team leagues is my understanding or understanding. It's my expectation. So when there, are, when there is someone that you want to add, when there is an option arriving for someone, oh, this guy looks interesting and you've got Bogdanovich or Bay at the back end of your 12-team roster, you can get rid of him. I don't think you're going to lose out too much. I think we have to face facts that RJ Barrett's bad. Like we've been holding, have we? Sometimes we have. And my, my thing with him is, is like if you drafted him in category leagues, you drafted him for his points, understanding all the other stuff. But now that I'm thinking about it, I think a lot of people drafted him not for that. And they just think, well, he got a big contract. He's going to be better. Uh, he scores 20 a game, so everything else must be good. And now it's more and more, I just realize that people just don't understand the fantasy valuations of guys at, at all times. Like Matisse Lybaugh getting dropped. And now that Josh Hart's there, if Barrett struggles, he probably isn't getting gifted 36 a night. And if he's not scoring 20 points a night, there is no fantasy value there at all. I still would hold him in a points league, Rowan. But in a category league, I I think the one thing that you are holding on to him for is probably not going to be there anymore. I think the big sneeze, Precious, and Chew is a drop. I don't think we need to hold on to him with Pirtle establishing himself with OG and Gary Trent probably back first game after the break. I wouldn't bother holding on to Precious through that. The next ones here are more points league guys, but there is some category league droppable nature to them. Emmanuel Quickly, that's the arrival of Hart as well. Now, Quickly was really strong last game, 28 minutes, but also like it's him, it's Barrett, it's Grimes, someone is losing out here. And if Quickly doesn't play 29 at night, he's not a 12-team league player. And I just think last game, he played 28, but Barrett played 24, right? As much as I think Barrett's losing out, I don't think he's losing out down to 24. And I think Quickly is going to cop it. And Hart only played 27, and that's probably going to rise. So I'm not as big on holding quickly. I think De'Anthony Melton can go in points leagues. In honestly, in category leagues, if you wanted to move on, if he's your worst player, totally get it. I think it's I think it's okay. And again, this is this is I know people love laughing at it, but this is actually sad. I, ben Simmons is a drop. I, I I am honestly I don't know where he, what happens to his career now. He he looks he's go watch Ben Simmons highlights from like year two in his career, and go watch him now. It's insane how different it is. it's really quite sad how much he has declined and things are just getting worse. Um, You don't need to hold through this, but maybe some level of sympathy. I don't know. He's just, everything's really bad. And then Malik Beasley. I definitely wouldn't hold Malik Beasley in a points league. No chance. In a category league, there can be some value, but... Let's be honest, he played 28 minutes a night for the Jazz and he was on and off 12-team rosters because of the streaky nature of his shooting and the fact that he doesn't do anything else apart from points and threes. And while some people go, "Well, he's playing with LeBron, he'll play 30 minutes a night, he'll have so many wide open threes. This is a fallacy. This is something that gets thrown around all the time, that all of these guys have significant improvements playing next to LeBron. Shout out to Rui Hachimura, Lonnie Walker, Russell Westbrook, Kyle Kuzma. All these guys get worse. Maybe you could say Walker got better, but he's also playing significantly worse now as well. So it's a big hypothetical that might sound good in theory. I just don't think there's enough volume there or enough other stuff that Beasley does to make it worth me waiting to see him get this minute, especially with old mate Darvin Ham saying that he's going to start Russell and Schroeder together because that means that Beasley comes off the bench. Let's look at some must-roster players. We'll bang through this one. These guys are available in over 20% of leagues, and I think they're all top 100 guys rest of season. Walker Kessler, Mark Williams, Daniel Gafford, Markel Fultz. All of those guys are top 100 Category League players and should be rostered. Walker Kessler, Mark Williams, Colin Sexton, Markel Fultz. These guys are all top 100 Points League players, and they should be rostered. Now, Sexton um, definitely crosses over into the Category League one and should be rostered. I don't think Gafford does. I don't think Gafford's a must-roster Points League player, but I think all of these other guys are. So there are a lot of different options here, and they're available in lots of spots. Just make sure they're not on your wire. Let's look at some guys who are top 100 over the last week and talk about the relative values of them. I've already spoken at length about Josh Richardson and Josh Okogie. Their recent production has been great. Our doubts on is whether that continues in two weeks' time. KJ Martin. Um, He's been really good. The minutes are up. I've been talking about having him as a 12-team league guy for about three to four weeks now. Nothing has changed in that regard. He is a punt free throw player, but he should be rostered in every 12-team league points and categories. Kyle Anderson is a top 100 player. He's available in like 60% of leagues. He came off the bench last game. I don't think you should be having him on the wire. Add him. And then if stuff starts to go bad, drop him. But add him. Shaden Sharp. Yes, he's been great. And i talked about this um, before about the you know the, how bad he has been this season from a fantasy perspective and how it has changed over the last week. The op- you look at this and go well he's been playing well and now the opportunity is potentially open with Simon, uh, Simon's going down. Why has has he been able to be this good? Well he's shooting uh 56% from 3 and 62% overall uh during that time averaging 14 points. He's still got only 15 usage. 62% from the field is not real, he's hasn't missed a free throw when he's a 67% shooter from the season, and he is getting one steal, which is up from where he was the season, now he has improved for sure, like his assist rate is a little bit higher, his rebound rate's a little bit higher, but basically he's just getting by on insane shooting numbers, and even if he was to start and play 28 minutes a night, we're not banking on him being a 60% shooter, in fact, it's more likely he's a 56% shooter, or four, sorry, a 46% shooter, so he's been great, I'm not that convinced though, Jalen Noel is in the top 100. He had that really big blow-up game in the midst of the Conley-Russell trade. And now we played 16 minutes last game. There is no way we need to worry about him in 12-team leagues. Chris Boucher is a guy that was putting up good numbers with Pirtle around. You don't need to hold him. And then Cole Anthony's also had some interesting strong games. He's so hard to judge, though. Like, obviously, he's out at the moment with a wrist injury, but he'll have 17 points in 24 minutes. And he'll have six points on 12 shots in, in the same minutes. It's all over the place. He's always worth a stream, but as a must-roster, I don't think so. Let's look at some deeper league guys available all in less than 10, in less than 90% of leagues. Uh, sorry, more than 90% of leagues. Jay Crowder and Ricky Rubio, I think, are 14-team league options. Rubio's maybe more towards the 16 because of missed games. And Crowder won't play until after the break. But they're both options. And then for 16-teamers, there's quite a few names here. Big Dick Nick Richards is a 16-team league guy, if not 14. Probably more 16. Aaron Neesmith, 16-teamer, he w- he does start, and getting his starting player is useful, and he will have games where he does look top 100, then others where he's top 300. That makes him overall a 16-team league guy. Jeremiah Robinson, now came back from injury. I like him as a 16 grab. Isaac Okoro is a very strong 16 guy, maybe 14. Andrew Nempard has lost a ton of value, but I would still have him in 16s. And then there's Jordy McLaughlin, who's finally back. He's going to get some decent numbers here, and finding assists off the wire, especially in deeper formats, is tough. So if he is available, and he is everywhere, I would add him in those deep formats. Let's look at some other names that are worth us discussing here. Gabe Vincent, I think he's a 12-team league guy. Kyle Lowry, I don't know when he's coming back. I also don't know whether Kyle is coming back into the starting lineup. I would have Vincent, I would ride it, and then when it falls off, it falls off. I would add him. Another name that is being bandied about a lot, and maybe he might actually end up being on the uh, the thumbnail of tonight's recap show. Because people love draft position. Well, he was picked number two for a reason. Yeah, because they made a mistake. Well, look how athletic he is. Yeah, doesn't know where to be. He is in Detroit, the team that also doesn't know where to be in terms of anything they do. And where he fits, I have no idea. It is absolutely intriguing to watch what happens with James Wiseman. And he is a name that is being added in spots. I have added him in a 14-team league. Just to see what happens. Because I think that if they do erroneously give him 22 minutes a night, he could be a 14-team league guy. I don't think I would do it in a 12, but I'd be ready to pounce just in case they do something stupid. Because he could put up 17 and 12 with two blocks on 58% shooting, be the worst player in the NBA, but still put up numbers. Shout out to Hassan Whiteside. He could do that. It would make no sense for the development of the team, but he could do that. And we want to watch it. Malachi Branham, with players out, Branham does get big opportunities. But honestly, his fantasy profile is not particularly strong. He gets by when he has big games on really high shooting numbers. But Vassell is going to be back after the All-Star break. Now, him and Jones and these guys are going to be in and out of rotations, all that stuff. Branham is going to have a decent enough role. He'll be 20 minutes at least every night. Probably, you'd say, minimum 23 every night. But a lot of what he's doing now is coming on the back of um, outsized opportunity, 33 minutes a night over the last two weeks. Still not a top 100 player. He's shooting 49% from the field, which is probably not going to stick. And then there's just not a lot else. He doesn't rebound. He doesn't get many assists. He doesn't get any steals. So he's okay. And it looks great because he scores. All right, 27 points, 10 points, 18 points the last three games. But I just don't really trust him as a 12-team long-term guy as much as I do like him as a player. I think Goldfinger Charlie Bass is worth looking at. And if I'm in a 16 or 14-team league, I would add him. I think he's going to get the bulk of the backup minutes behind Zach Collins. And if he gets 24 a night through foul trouble or whatever, that's actually a 12-team league player. So we watch that. Patrick Williams, do we give him another chance? The only reason we do is because of the Bulls' three games in the next four days of NBA action. And DeMar DeRozan's out. So he's going to disappoint us. He's going to disappoint us. But Williams is an option, especially with Caruso battling some injuries as well. Sammy Hauser, with the Celtics banged up, Hauser is worth it. But on a healthy team, he probably doesn't play. But for now, you're getting tons. Marcus Smart is back, that will impact him. Jalen Brown's out. Tatum's still dealing with his stuff. Whatever was going on with Rob Williams is there. Hauser is a great points and threes guy, but it won't last long-term. Isaiah Jackson is going to be an interesting one to watch because we saw Miles Turner miss the last game and they started Daniel Tice, which of course is a laugh. It's, it's ridiculous. We, we all know that. But for today's game, Tyson and Turner are both questionable. So there's probably, well, there's a really decent, if you say that Tyson Turner are both 50%, if I remember my math's probability stuff, that means that there's a 75% chance of one of them missing, which means it's a 75% chance of Isaiah Jackson being worth the stream, which are pretty good odds. Maybe someone can correct me. I haven't done probability stuff in maths in a while. I think that's how it works. And then the other one is Max Struz. So we did talk about it a little bit earlier, but with Depot Hero out, he is a pretty good stream for now. But long-term, I don't really see it for the Winter Soldier. And guys, that'll do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you're here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave your comments down below. We are so close to 60K. And I know there's a lot of you watching that haven't subbed. I've only got 150 to go. If you could get me to 60K before the All-Star break, we're so tantalizingly close. Hit the subscribe button. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.